0: Today, we're doing a responsive reading from Psalm 15. Uh, If you can turn into your Pew Bibles, page 853, you'll find Psalm 15 right there. Or if you prefer, it'll be on Um, monitor. As we read these words, I'd like you to ponder in your heart what the author has to say about who. To be in the presence of God, what kind of righteousness must a person have in order to dwell in His sanctuary? So, so as we go through this, allow the truth of the Scripture to, to sink in. We'll, we'll do verse by verse. I'll begin, and you can follow. Lord, who may dwell in Your sanctuary? Who may live on Your holy hill? He who lives, lives. And has, and, has, and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong, and casts no slur on his fellow man. Who desires to buy a man, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oaths even in the first, who lends his
1: money without usury, and does not accept the bribe against the innocent. He
0: who does these things will never be chastened. Amen. This leads us to our, our final scripture reading for today. Matthew chapter five, verse 48. Yes, we're finally getting to the end of this chapter. Matthew five, verse 48. You can find that page. 1,503 of the few Bibles. 1,503. Matthew 5, verse 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Thus ends our reading of God's unchanging word. May all who hear it, understand both the calling and the promise that God has laid forth. What do you think of when you think of perfection? Is it the 1972 Miami Dolphins? What's going on? Your mic isn't on. My mic isn't on? No. Is it on now? Yes. Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, the question I had is, what do you think of when you think of perfection? Is the 1972 Dolphins, anybody remember that team? Yes. I wasn't quite born yet, but um, <laughs> is it Bob Knights, the 1976 Indiana Hoosiers? I was actually born that year. Is it, is it the kid who gets straight A's and was valedictorian? Or how about that, that rare student that scores a perfect 36 on their ACTs? Is that perfection? Is perfection really attainable? This week as I was preparing for today's sermon, I, I thought if anyone could help me out, it would be our friends at Google. So, so, so I, I typed in how to be perfect. And the first thing that popped up was was this article on 12 steps, 12 steps, it's always 12 steps, right? 12 steps on how to be as perfect as possible. Apparently if you follow these 12 rules, you'll get about as close as you can get to flawlessness. Are you ready for some life-changing instructions? Alright, step one. Pick out the clothes you will wear the next day before you go to bed. Step two, clean your room. Step three, make a schedule. Four, do your best. Five, be nice to people. Six, be responsible. (laughs) Seven, take care of yourself. Step eight, wear clothing that makes you look good. I like that one. Nine, accent with makeup. Sorry, man. It's just as I've always assumed, only women can be perfect.
0: perfect.
1: There are some men that wear makeup, you're right. Step 10, the, the perfect man, yes. Step 10, try new things. 11, be prepared always. I, I guess you need to be a Boy Scout, right? And finally, the last thing that you need to do to be as perfect as possible, don't procrastinate. Thank you, Google. That Now we have everything we need to obey this verse that I read today, right? Yeah, all kidding aside, when we, when we come to a verse like Matthew 5, verse 48, that, a verse that not only seems difficult but impossible to obey, what are we as Christians to do? I mean, seriously, look at this verse. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Seriously? Surely, Jesus didn't truly mean this, did he? And yet, as Christians, we are not to trivialize God's Word. Jesus actually said this. This wasn't a joke. He he spoke this in in his Sermon on the Mount. Christ laid forth the expectation, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. He laid that out to his disciples. Have you ever heard the saying, God will never give you more than you can handle? Well, well it sure seems that, that God has given to us here a command that is more than we can do. Now, depending on the, the, the type of person that you are, there are a couple ways that, that one could react to this verse. First, there is the perfectionist. This is a, is a person who probably follows those, those 12 steps that I mentioned the, the, the perfectionist hears these words and says, Okay, Jesus, challenge accepted. And then there's the rest of us, the apathetic. Those who, who don't bother to, to get the highest score on a test. Those who, who tell themselves that they do their best work in the last minute. When when this person comes to a verse like this, they say to themselves, well, just one more thing that I won't be accomplishing. Let's go on to the next verse. Move along. But there's a a third response that I believe comes to both the perfectionist and the apathetic. And, And the thought is this. If this is really God's standard, if this is what it takes to enter God's kingdom then am I even saved? But before we address that question, let's look at the backdrop of our verse and see if we can determine exactly what Jesus is trying to communicate. Is he, is he really asking for perfection? Now, if you remember, we had just finished what is known as the antithesis of the Sermon on the Mount. These are the, the six sayings that, that Jesus began with with the phrase, you have heard that it was said, and ended with the phrase, but I tell you. Jesus had been addressing certain issues where, where the people of Israel had departed from God's word, partially due to their faulty interpretation, but also due to their unrepentant hearts. These, these six things that Jesus spoke to were were, one, murderous feelings, adulterous thoughts, easy divorce, deception through oaths, retributive justice, and a hatred towards one one's enemies. And in each of these, Jesus was challenging his disciples to, to turn their focus away from the exterior and to gaze inward at the state of their own hearts. You see, this was first and foremost a heart issue. A person can try to, to clean, clean up the outside of themselves as much as they want, but if they never deal with their own heart, they will never see lasting change. It's, it's like a, a muddy car that is sputtering. The owner of that vehicle, he can get out the hose, He can get out the sponge. He can polish and and wax all he wants until the car looks brand spanking new. But if he never opens the hood and never tries to repair the engine, it's still going to sputter, and eventually it'll fail. In order to see real change, a person's heart, that heart of stone, must be changed into a heart of flesh. And this is what Jesus was talking about in his words leading up to these antitheses. Look at Matthew 5, verses 17 through 20. Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law This saying that we've come to today, be perfect therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. This saying is a capstone, if you will, summarizing Jesus' thoughts both here in his, and in his antithesis. <clears throat> One, it is a, he, is the, he is the fulfillment of Old Testament scripture. Two, Christ's people, those who are going to be kingdom followers, those who who enter into his kingdom, they are to be a holy people as well. They are to have a righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. You see, these these religious leaders that Jesus talked about, they were just like the the guy who, who washes his car but never looks under the hood. On the outside, they looked spectacular. But inwardly, they had a stalled engine. And so with, with these two things in mind, Christ as a fulfillment of Old Testament scripture and his people being holy and righteous, Jesus is summarizing his thoughts when he says, be perfect. How does this play out? One, a, a disciple of Christ must have a proper understanding of God's word. Scripture cannot be bent or or twisted to serve one, one's own needs or to cover up a person's sins. Rather, the Bible has to be taken on God's terms. In other words, you're, you're, you must be honest to the truth that, that God is communicating to you through Scripture. You can't, you can't soften his word for your own benefit, but you must hold firm to its teachings, even when it strikes deep. To your very soul. So be perfect when it comes to interpreting the scriptures. Two, it's not enough to have correct theology. If God's word isn't changing you from within, then you will never attain to the righteousness that is necessary to enter into God's kingdom. So the question remains exactly how perfect. Must one be? Let's let's look at this word perfect and see what it means. The Greek that is used here is a word teleos. It is an adjective that, that carries a few similar meanings. It can mean brought to its end, or finished, or lacking nothing necessary to completeness. It can mean mature, or as we see in our text for today, it can mean perfect. And and this word is used a variety of times in the New Testament. For instance, in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 5, we find find the verb form of this word being employed to describe the actions of Jesus. Look at uh, Hebrews 5, verses 8 and 9. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Now, is is this text saying that sinless Jesus, the God-man, had to be made perfect? <clears throat> of course not. Like, like all scripture, one must look to the context around it. But what this is saying is that, that Jesus, in his humanity, had to undergo the suffering that the Father had prepared for him in order for, he, in order for him to be that source of eternal salvation. So, while Jesus was already perfect... It was only through his suffering that he became the perfect or the complete sacrifice for salvation. Now, if we look a little further in the book of Hebrews, we see that the author uses this word again just a few verses later, only this time as an adjective. Look at at verse 14. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Here the word gets translated into mature because the context has to do with solid food and because it's describing believers who have taken the time to actually train themselves. They are no longer infants drinking milk, but they are mature adults. They get solid food. Going back to our passage for today, we have to ask the question, what is the framework when Jesus uses the word teleos? Like we discussed before, the context is the whole of verses 17 through 47, where we see Jesus fulfilling scripture. And we see him challenging his disciples to have a righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And he gives expression to both of these things through his six antitheses. So when Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, what he's basically saying is this, get your theology right and get your heart right. In other words, you must read scripture the way God would have you read it, with Christ as its fulfillment, and you must also be transformed from within by that very word. So, when you come to this passage, don't lose heart thinking, Woe is me, am I even saved? You must ground this verse in other scriptures that clearly state that your salvation does not depend on your own works. Rather, you are justified in the eyes of God solely by the work of Christ. But at the same time, you are not to be like the apathetic. Like the one who comes to this verse and says to himself, Well, just one more thing that I won't accomplish. And then he just goes on to the next verse. Jesus gave you this verse for a reason. It is the standard by which those who are truly in the kingdom will be measured. Similarly, you are not to be like the perfectionist. The the person who comes to this passage and and says to himself, Challenge, accept it. Such a gung-ho attitude and a reliance on one's own abilities will take a person only so far. Thinking that you can do these things in your own strength will set you on the same path of that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. You will look good on the outside, sure, but your engine will be stalled. And honestly, this is the way the world thinks, is it not? Think about those 12 steps that that we got from Google. Didn't they all seem a bit superficial to you? none of them really dealt with matters of the heart. But that's that's the world's way. So what is the right approach? How are you, as a kingdom person, supposed to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect? How are you to fulfill those six antitheses that Jesus had laid out? How are you to overcome the, the anger that you have stored within your heart? How are you to avoid the the lustful thoughts that are in the back of your mind? How can you remain faithful to the marital promises that you have vowed to keep? How can you remain true to the the oaths that you make when you speak to others? How can you let go of the grudges that you hold against people who have harmed you? And how can you love people that you despise, those enemies? that most likely won't love you back. How can you do all these things, all the time? The answer? You can't. At least not on your own. Instead, you have to trust in the One who is the fulfillment of this verse. Dear friends, It is only through the perfection of Christ that you can be made perfect. When Jesus tells you to be perfect, he he isn't joking around, nor is he being tongue-in-cheek. This isn't a case where he is saying one thing and not really meaning it. He is asking you to be perfect, to be lacking nothing. You are to be righteous as your heavenly Father is righteous. You see, what, what Jesus is doing here is he is preparing his people with the end game in mind. God's plan of salvation isn't just about getting you out of hell. It never has been and it never will be. No. It is also about bringing you into his kingdom. And in order to enter in, you must have a righteousness that is Perfect. Brothers, sisters, this can only be done through the work of Christ. Jesus lived the perfect life, and he gives to you his perfection as he takes upon himself your sin. He then died the perfect death, paying the penalty for those sins. He then rose from the dead and now sits at the right hand of the Father, acting as the perfect intercessor on your behalf. And he has sent to you the perfect helper, his Holy Spirit, the Spirit which prepares you and trains you in perfect righteousness. For there will come a day when his kingdom will manifest itself fully in the new heavens and the new earth. And only those who are clothed in Christ's righteousness His perfect righteousness, only those who put on that will find entrance. This is why he gives you a new heart, a heart of flesh, to replace that heart of stone. He he is preparing you for that day. This is what God meant when when he spoke through the prophet Jeremiah. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people." The goal of salvation, it's not just a get-out-of-jail-free car. No. The goal is for God's people to be molded into the image of his perfect son in order that they can live in his presence. So while your salvation doesn't depend on anything you do, but solely on the work of Christ, that doesn't mean that you don't get that God doesn't get under your hood and fix your engine. Part of your salvation is God's sanctifying work. As kingdom people, he is making you holy. What is required of you? To trust in him, in his holy word, in which he is the fulfillment. And you are to repent of your evil deeds and turn in faith to that perfect son of your heavenly father. The the good work that Christ had begun in you when you believed on his name must be carried out to completion until the day of his return. Little by little, Jesus is perfecting you. And he does this through his Holy Spirit. He is forming you after himself. And in this, you can take heart. For if Christ is on the job, If he is the one working inside of you, then you know it will be accomplished. So these words, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, they are both a command and a promise. So don't be afraid when you come to this verse. Rather, take courage, knowing that Jesus is perfecting you. Let us pray. Father, we put our trust in you. We confess that a a verse like this is is scary. You have set forth a standard that we cannot meet in our own strength. We need your Son. We need your Holy Spirit. Help us to, to believe your word. May it change us from within. We ask now that you would, you would take away our hearts of stone and replace them with hearts of flesh. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.